Good morning, Mill City. For anybody who's maybe brand new with us, my name is Aaron Stern. I'm the lead pastor, and uh, it is a joy to gather together. Uh, before we jump into uh, the message today, I just want to highlight something we've been in for the last few several weeks, really, uh, and that is our first ever giving campaign uh, in order to raise money for a permanent home. And called So That. And the reason it's called So That is because the building in and of itself is not a goal. Uh, it is the kingdom activity as a result of a building that is the goal. So that more people uh, find and are able to experience hope in Jesus. So that we're able to uh, minister more to the rest, to our community. So that uh, we can uh, uh, provide community for people in our city that are lonely and needing to be planted in uh, a group of people. So we're excited about that. I want to highlight one particular date, and that is next Sunday. Next Sunday is Commitment Sunday, and, uh, and so uh, if you don't already have one, I want to encourage you to grab a commitment card. There's commitment cards at all of the exits. This, this announcement, by the way, is for anybody that church, calls Mill City Church home. So if you're new today or whatever, you can just tune out for just one second. Um, but if you call Mill City Church home, uh, I would ask you to grab a commitment card if you haven't already. Um, the reason being that it just gives you kind of a, a framework for how to think through this, pray. And all that we're asking is that you ask God. Ask God what he would have you to give to participate in uh, the, what God's doing and how he's leading our house. So, uh, and then be obedient to what he has for you. Now, uh, we have a, a philosophy. Uh, next week's going to be an amazing day, by the way. So don't miss it. Um, it's, it, 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 we're going to have... Um, donuts, and it's just, the choir's going to be here next Sunday. It's going to be a fabulous, fabulous day. So, um, so don't miss it, but uh, I do want to say this. Um, I, we have a philosophy of leadership here that, that leaders don't just point the way, leaders go the way. And so, uh, so yesterday, uh, we had a group of our leaders get together to kind of start a, and lead the way in commitment. And, uh, and I'm excited to announce to you today, you know, our goal was to raise, is to raise a minimum of $4 million. And so, um, so these commitments are over the next three years. And so yesterday, the amount committed, are you ready? The amount committed yesterday was $2,042,890.19. So, yeah, come on now. So we're uh, about halfway to our minimum. So, uh, so it's going to take all of us. Uh, no gift is too small and no gift is too large. I, I really want all of us included. I want to highlight one group that went first, and that is our students. Uh, elementary, middle school, high school collectively are committing to $40,000, 1% over the next three years. So... Um, this is not like a, oh, well, I'm a college student, so this isn't for me, or whatever, all right? So if Mill City Church is your home, uh, we want to have everybody involved, and uh, we'll kick all that off in, uh, next Sunday. You ready for that? All right. Uh, so to jump into the message, uh, 
maybe you've got kids or that maybe this is you, you practice soccer. I grew up playing soccer. Um, and so I went to a soccer practice. Maybe it's not soccer or sports, but it's guitar, or maybe it's your voice, or maybe it's painting or some sort of artistic expression. We, we practice, right? And, and we practice, why? To get better. And we, we, we might practice every day, maybe multiple times a day. We pay the price in time. We pay the price maybe in activity fees or uniforms or, or whatever it might be, a gym membership. And, and we maybe even practice no matter what the weather is. It might be, too, might be cold. It might be hot. And we press past our places of uncomfortability or past the points where we want to. And we keep going because we know it will produce something. Well, the same should be true as followers of Jesus, that we would be committed to practicing the words of Jesus. Jesus actually says at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7 that there's two types of disciples. There are followers of his. There's foolish ones and wise ones, and the wise ones are the ones who put his words into practice, that we don't just hear the words, but we actually practice them. So our word for 2023, we have a word for the year every year, is practice. And, the, and, and because we want to be wise followers of Jesus, because the, the, we want to put in the extra time, we want to do the things that will produce something. The goal of a practice is not just to master the practice. They are a means to an end. And the end goal is transformation. The end goal is that there would be an interior transformation and that we would become people of love. So we are, we, throughout this year, we, are, we have different practices we're going through. Earlier this year, we went through practicing gener- excuse me, community. Today, the series is Practice Generosity. Started last week, part two today. The goal is not just to do generous things but to become a generous person. Amy Carmichael, the author and Irish missionary to India in the 1900s, says you can always give without loving, but you can never love without giving. See, generosity is about the spirit we carry, the attitude of our hearts and our minds. Generosity is about much more than finances, Katie Peters crushed the message last week. Uh, If you didn't hear it, watch it. I encourage you to do that. She talked about whole life generosity, all of our lives. But generosity does include our finances. So we're going to talk about that aspect of generosity here today. Now, some of you might be like, oh, especially if it's your first time, you're like, oh, here we go. Church always talks about money. Uh, I want you to know that we we, we don't talk about it all that much. Uh, as some of you might, and I realize sometimes we might have like a little like, uh, because it has been abused, or maybe there's an element uh, of manipulation, all that kind of thing. Or you might think, well, of course, we're in a giving campaign, so of course you're going to talk about generosity. Well, that's true, but as we are thinking about finances and asking God about what we should give and and all of that, it seems like a really important time to talk about our attitude towards finances. But in every subject, no matter when it is, our goal is to come around the teachings and the way of Jesus. And Jesus talks about money and possessions 
a lot. It's actually the topic that he talks about second most in his teachings in the Gospels. The number one topic is the kingdom of God. And the number two is money and possessions. I believe because it's oftentimes the, most, the number one inhibitor to us entering and experiencing the kingdom of God. 80% of Americans worry about money all the time, a recent study shows. In 2012, there was a study that showed that in those who divorced, money and financial issues were the primary reason for the demise of their marriage. So this is not a small issue that's like on the fringe, like it has a significant impact on us all. Money and generosity are actually subjects I've had to wrestle through throughout my life. When I was young, like uh, in, in high school, and you know, started to make some money, and, and I remember buying or thinking about buying things, I got really anxious about spending money, letting it go. And then I would buy something. I remember buying a $300 boom box. Well, I'm a child of the 80s, you know, and, and, and I, the bigger the better. And I bought a $300 boombox, had a CD player, it's kind of new on the top, and, and, and I bought it for $300, and I, it took me weeks to like get over the having spent that much money. I, I, it took me weeks to get to the place, like, should I do this? Which indicates something. You ever go to a a restaurant where they, they sell fajitas and you order the fajitas and it, do you ever just feel like there's just a, like they give you three strands of shredded trees? I mean, can we, it's the picture of stinginess. It's the fajita cheese. You're like, did you see how many tortillas you gave me? Do you see how much meat you gave me? And you gave me three strands and you're like, and you know they have boxes, bags of shredded cheese in the back. And then you feel bad, like, could I have some more cheese? And they're like, hmm. You know, T-Rex arms all over the place. Like, what is going on in these places? But here I was. I was a little T-Rex kid with money. And I saw generous people, though. And I thought, I want to be like that. I saw people who freely gave, helped people, had the money and were happy to give it out. And I thought, I want that spirit. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus asks a rich, rich young ruler to let go of his money, but he couldn't. See, because he wasn't holding on to his money, his money was holding on to him. And so today, I wonder if you will let God mess with you and maybe specifically, will you let God mess with your money? Some of you are like, ah. I've allowed God to mess with my money over the years and have grown and continue to grow. But I just want to share some lessons that I've learned and how the Holy Spirit has shaped generosity in me. Because I want it for you. So we're going to take some time and unpack 2 Corinthians chapter Nine. It's really 8 and 9, but specifically a few verses out of chapter 9. Uh, the context of this, as Paul is writing to the Corinthians, is that he's encouraging this Corinthian church, which is a Gentile church, to give to the Christians who are Jewish in Jerusalem, who are in need. 
He references in chapter 8 the Macedonians who also have been generous, and they actually gave, as he indicates in chapter 8, out of their poverty. Meaning, it's not about having a lot of money that makes you generous or not. And then he says this to the Corinthians in chapter 9, verse 6, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. This is what I learned. Generosity is about planting, about planting seeds. In Proverbs chapter 11, in the message version of the scripture, it says the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. God wants for each one of us to have larger lives. Sometimes those type of verses have been twisted around to kind of uh, enhance or support a prosperity gospel. Give money and you'll receive money. But he's actually talking about seeds, and there's a couple of things here that we need to come around. First is that seeds, you will never know what seeds will give you unless you plant them. So sometimes we think, I've got this seed, and I don't know... And so I don't know if my life's going to get larger. The only way you will ever know is if you actually plant them. The prophet Malachi, in chapter 3, verse 10, says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That's the 10%. New Testament teaching around the tithe and 10% is that that's just a, a, a beginning point. That there may be food in my house. Then this is what he says. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be, not be enough room to store it. It's almost as if God is daring us to be generous. So you won't know what it is, but this is the other thing is that, is that you don't plant seeds and get seeds back. That's why the prosperity gospel idea around this doesn't work. You don't plant seeds and get more seeds. You plant seeds and get more fruit. The goal is fruit. So what is the fruit? Jump ahead just a couple of verses to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and 10. It says, as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. In both of these in both verses uses the word righteousness. Now oftentimes the first thing that comes to mind when we hear the word righteousness is moral law. Right that we do the morally right thing. But actually the better translation of righteousness is right relationships. It's more of the idea attached to the word shalom. All things right. There's a right relationship between people, right relationship between God. There's a right relationship between the earth and the ways that God designed our relationship to be. That's right living, righteousness, right interactions and relationships between people and, every, and God and ourselves. So when we give to the poor, it establishes a right relationship, not just between us, but also and that person, but between them and the world. 
So when you're generous, you're contributing to, to righteousness. You're contributing to healing. When we're generous, we're, you are healing the world. To give to the So That Giving campaign is so that we can see Jesus interact with and bring about healing in people's lives, in relationships, in a greater way. When you're generous, you're healing the world. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. He goes on and he says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. I love this word decided. Because decided is, a, is like a planning word. Generosity is about planning. There is a place for emotional giving, right? The, 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 anybody seen the TV commercials trying to like pull on your emotions to give to the one-eyed dogs? Can you, you can't let Fido live like this, can you? This, this sappy music and I mean, you're like, oh, who do I call? There's a place for emotional giving. You know what Paul's advocating for here, though? Unemotional giving. Like, plan it. Generosity is about planning. What, he's, what, what this looks like for you and me is budget your generosity. Because sometimes generosity isn't about desire, it's about ability. And so sometimes we think, I'd like to be generous, but I'm not able. Well, how do we become able? In many cases, what we need to do is budget our finances in such a way that we have some extra. Uh, For me, I have often, uh, as I indicated when I was younger, I had the can I, should I paralysis. An opportunity would come along, and the more time I had to think about it, the harder I had giving it away. Analysis inhibited generosity for me. But once it got built into our income, giving became easy. Oh, no problem. Got it. I wasn't thinking, am I going to have enough? And what about this? And I got new tires coming up. Just here we go. See, see, Jesus doesn't need your money. But he does want your heart. So we create a budget that brings our hearts to Jesus. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And here's the thing about treasure, excuse me, uh, generosity and greed. Neither of them have an external reference point for whether or not they're happening in our lives. In other words, to be greedy is to not follow the way of Jesus. To commit adultery is to not follow the way of Jesus. But you know when that happens, you're not wondering, hmm, I wonder if I'm committing adultery. Like, it's, it's, it's black and white. But you can give and still be greedy. Now, it does look like giving, but it is a matter of the heart. So, our culture says the more you have, the happier you will be. It's, our culture is naturally cultivating greed in us. So, so the question we have to ask ourselves is, how am I counterforming? Because without counterformation, we are naturally going to be formed into greedier people. And so there is no formation without repetition. As a result, 
putting it into our monthly budget repeats it in our lives in such a way that it starts to form something or counterform something in us. Generosity is about planning. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 goes on after he says, uh, you should decide in your heart what to give, not reluctantly or in a compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So in other words, and in verse uh, chapter 8, he says, I'm not commanding you. In other words, this, I want this to be a willing choice, not reluctant. In other words, you can be willing but still reluctant. I want you to be cheerful. When he's saying cheerful, it's not just like do it with a smile on your face. I want you to be eager about it. I want you to want to give more. Not just a, a have to or a should, but a get to. I get to do this. I get to help you. I get to participate. Have you ever met an angry, generous person? See, I have $100 right here. Anybody need $100? Come on up here. Who wants it? All right. <laughs> okay. Hi, Rose. Thank you. I mean, it was just offered. So, would you like this? Sure. Sure. All right. All right. Great. Okay. You're welcome. Take it. Yeah. Take it. Yeah. It's all yours. It's... There we go. It's all yours. Now, you can give like that, you know, like prying your fingers off of what you have. Or you can give like, oh, here, I, I, I wish I had more. There's a total different spirit. And I was a, <laughs> I was a tight-fisted, reluctant giver. I grew up in a Christian home. I was taught to give. I was hearing that giving is good. But the reason, and so there's lots of different reasons we might be reluctant, tight-fisted givers. For me, it was that I was afraid I wasn't going to have enough. I can buy this boombox, but, but what if an emergency shows up? What if something else comes up? Which made me realize that generosity is about faith. Am I going to live by fear or by faith? Henry Nouwen wrote in his book, The Return of the Prodigal Son, he says, every time I take a step in the direction of generosity, I know that I am moving from fear to love. And that's the goal. The goal, we, the reason we practice generosity is to become people of love. Matthew chapter 6, also found in the Sermon on the Mount, says to don't worry about money, Jesus teaches. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about the things that you think you need or you want. He says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. The question faced before all of us is, do we believe that? Can we actually live into that? Philemon chapter 1 Verse 6 says, and I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Like, are you willing? 
I was, Jossie and I participated in our, will continue to participate in so that. And we both felt God speak to us. A number that was, it'll be our most sacrificial, I'm not trying to toot my heart, it was the most, it'll be the most sacrificial gift that we've ever given. I don't know what God's going to ask of you. But the reason I highlight that is because, because I'm really excited about it. It was like this gulp, really moment, and like, okay. Which for me was like, oh, gone are the T-Rex arms. Gone are the, oh, I don't know, and think about it, and evaluate it. And, and I think, it's all yours, God. It was yours in the first place. And I just want to be obedient. And I trust you. What if? I don't know. God will provide. God will provide. He'll take care of those days. Don't worry about tomorrow, he says in Matthew 6. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. What I was doing when I was afraid was worrying about tomorrow. Instead of being present to God in the moment. There was a study done at 44 different universe, major universities around the country by a guy named Dr. Stephen Post, and he wrote in this book summarizing his findings in the book's called Why Good Things Happen to Good People. He says, giving is the most potent force on the planet. In his studies, he found that people who give and are generous are happier, they're healthier, and they live longer. That statement, giving is the most potent force on the planet, is true. And it was reflected in the life of Jesus. Jesus came, God gave his son, and Jesus, his son, gave his life. Self giving love, absolute, complete generosity of everything that he was. And it changed the world, it changed our hearts changed the trajectory of, wor of the world, broke the power of sin, and defeated death. What if generosity, the, the, the potential force, is just waiting for us to activate it by trusting God? So our weekly practice this week is to read 2 Corinthians chapters nine, chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. Now, if you want to read chapters 8 and 9, you can do that, but uh, particularly 9, 6 through 15, and evaluate your finances and reflect, or evaluate how your finances reflect a generous spirit. Like, do they? Do my finances reflect a, a, a generous heart, a generous spirit that honors God, that that says, yes, I want to plant seeds. I want my generosity to be a, a source of healing for the world. This weekly practice, maybe you get to Tuesday or Wednesday and you're like, what was that weekly practice? I forgot to do it. I can't find my notes or I didn't write it down. We are here to help you. And so you can opt into a weekly text reminder about the weekly practice. You can grab your phone now if you'd like to do it. And just text PRACTICE, the word PRACTICE, to 970-299-9997. You'll get a weekly reminder of this particular practice. It's also helpful if somehow you miss a Sunday and you're kind of kept in track and 
opting into what is going on here every week. So as we all evaluate that, maybe you find yourself evaluating even in this moment and realize that to trust God with your finances maybe is really the second step to trusting God with your life. God gave the most extravagant gift in His Son, Jesus. What God asks or invites of us as a result is to give our lives generously back to Him. And so for some of you, the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart and asking you to cross the line of faith. And here's the beautiful thing. It is free and it's simple. It is a simple beginning to a profound journey that says, I trust you. Now, it's not a first-time trust. It's an everyday trust. And so if you've never said yes to Jesus before, maybe walked away and you're like, I need to come home today. Will you just, under your breath, sincerely say, Jesus, I give you my life. And that statement, not the only thing you ever need to say to God, but an amazing first thing that you need to say to God is a moment of crossing a line of faith and moving into a larger life. A life full of life. A life with God and with His people. If you just made that decision, is the most important decision of your life, and we are so excited about that. Today, as indicated earlier, and as you notice over here to my left, your right, is our baptism tank. Today is Baptism Sunday. And Baptism Sunday is... Uh, a day where obviously people get baptized, but it is a, water baptism itself is a beautiful and powerful reminder of the decision that I just invited and walked some people through. See, that is, that, that decision you just made, if that was you, you made that in the, in the core of your heart. Maybe nobody else even knows. It's very personal. But it, our walk with Jesus is never to be just personal. It is also to be public. And so water baptism is a statement of public declaration of what has happened in a very personal way. For us to say, I was once dead, but Jesus brought me to life, and I want everybody to know it. I want to state it and and, and, and proclaim it to the world that Jesus is in fact Lord of my life. Now, this is not like a, okay, you're, you know, I, I, uh, I, just, I just doing my thing and now I'm done. It's not a, a box to check. It actually is a reminder and a recognition that Jesus died, that he went into the grave and came out of the grave for all of us. But we don't just see that, we actually follow that. We follow him to the grave. Each and every day we give our lives away, we deny ourselves, we pick up our crosses. And that's what we're also stating here today as you're indicating and saying, I publicly declare that Jesus 
is my Lord. So I'm going to hand it off to Nick Tompkins, one of our pastors here in the tank, and he's going to lead through uh, all this. Now, this is a big day, everybody. This is amazing. So I just want you to get your hooping and hollering voices on, get your hands warmed up.